0: Welcome to Season 7 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. On this season, our guest host is Ryan Alba from Arizona. Join us as he interviews millennial clergy who are doing interesting things in ministry. Longtime listeners may also appreciate him bringing back a game we used to play called How Millennial Are You? And while he clearly enjoys his time having some fun addressing millennial stereotypes, the guests he interviews and the stories they tell are worth listening to. So without further ado, here is Season 7 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and culture. This week, we are joined by my friend, uh, Curtis. Uh, Curtis, go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: How's it going? My name is Curtis Matheny. I'm a chaplain out here at Camp Pendleton in the Navy, serving a bunch of Marines um, and in uh, and, and loving life outside of a traditional church model.
1: All right, I'm gonna we're gonna edit this, but my daughter needs me for something. <laughs> what, what do you need? What do you want me to do? Uh, tie it around this. Tie it around this? Okay. Yeah. Something really important, I'm sure.
2: I don't think we should edit this.
1: No, just keep it in. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely.
2: This is raw. This is fresh. This is real. All
1: right. Thank you, baby. Um okay. Uh so Curtis, you are a chaplain in the navy but you're serving on a marine base yes uh, sir just for i for those who don't know i used to be in the military um so for those who might care what rank are you
2: um i am a lieutenant because i'm in the navy every other branch would call that a captain oh three it's also the best rank because it's battalion level which means you get to truly be with a um relatively small unit that is you are a third chaplain so
1: nice yeah nice. perfect um yeah I, I like i love that you explained that it, you're you're a captain lieutenant um right.
2: nobody <laughs> would understand that so
1: yeah no that's good
2: it. if i'm a captain uh, in the navy i'm an 06 so it's just it's yeah, different.
1: yeah. <laughs> and like we lost like half our audience right now <laughs> uh so uh to get to start off by um, start off, we always like to play a little game and kind of ask some stereotypical millennial questions. Uh first of all, um, how old are you, sir?
2: I am 35 years old.
1: Would you consider that millennial age?
2: I believe so. I don't know the official definition of millennial, I guess, but I think it's my entire peer group.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think based on the I've seen different definitions, but from all the different definitions i believe uh you were born in you said 86 yeah 86 86 uh that you would classify as a millennial so we want to see how millennial how millennial you are by asking you some kind of some stereotypical questions just to have some fun with it um my (laughs) first of all uh for those of you who are listening um we had to we had to listen we had to we had some technical issues before we started recording this because Curtis is the one person I know who doesn't have AirPods.
2: Right. So. Well, I think AirPods are also associated with Apple products, and that's my big issue.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I don't yeah. have AirPods. I have uh, another brand, but they're the Perfect. same.
2: All right. Uh, so you're trying to be an Apple product guy and like look like you are, but you're not really.
1: No, it's just mostly um, I when I run, I sweat a lot, and the AirPods fall out of my ears really easily right uh,
2: so it's a product issue i like yeah, it yeah uh
1: so um so i guess I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna ding you right there you don't have airpods so all right i'll take it <laughs> uh how often do you order avocado on toast
2: that um does not sound like me at all but it is my wife
1: yeah do you uh,
2: i do not i've, I've never had that
1: i've you've never even had it you never you i mean
2: know? Yeah, I'll I'll maybe put some butter on toast, but that's about it.
1: No avocado. No. You're in California; it's like the source, uh, but avocados yeah. are a good good price there.
2: Yeah, I like the guacamole, but I do the cow. <laughs> you Probably know, you not.
1: that's where we're in common. I, I I basically just see an avocado as an unprepared right. guacamole, like right. This is almost the thing I want it to be. Yes. Um how many bow ties do you own? Uh
2: I did not own a bow tie. I do have one of those tuxedo t-shirts though that has a bow tie on it. So I think that should count.
1: I definitely. That that definitely counts. <laughs> um I'm gonna I'm gonna be getting ordained here in a couple weeks. You think you I shirts? should rock the you think I should rock the the tuxedo t-shirt? Oh my goodness, I'm
2: so proud of you. You should at least wear it as an undershirt. <laughs> wow. No, you know, I'm like as soon as the service ends, you can lift your shirt. Nobody just think it's actually a tuxedo shirt. It's good.
1: Wear it for the after yeah, party.
2: Congratulations. That's awesome.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I yeah. wish I
2: could be up there for it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you can just like what five, six hours away. <laughs> yeah, I'm tempted.
2: I mean, gas is like over six bucks everywhere here, but it might be worth it just for you.
1: Thanks, bud. Um, I want to wish anybody. I, I like, I people have been asking me like, "Hey, I want to come to your ordination service." I'm like, I've been to like. Two ordination services in my life, and they're like three hours long, and I'm like, right, you don't, you don't really want to come to this. It's a cool moment, though. It is a cool moment. Yeah, no, I'm excited for it. It's just one of those, like, I don't know if I would wish that upon people, unless you know what you're getting into. Yeah,
2: and I don't know who your general superintendent is either, so
1: it's gonna be, uh,
2: might be a uh, game changer.
1: It's gonna be Carla.
2: Okay. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, she was the president of the schoolhouse when I went there at NTS.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, me too. Actually, um, for somebody who I haven't, I've never met, she's had a pretty big,
2: yeah, impact on my life. All right, well, I guess you got a good speaker too. Yeah, and, well, sounds like a good service.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. Um, how many participation trophies do you have?
2: Well, I mean, it's twenty twenty two, and everybody gets one i do have i still have a bin in the garage that has all sorts of ridiculous like a bowling trophy and you know nice. little league random things and you know every get together yeah both my sons are about to they have they're in the playoffs right now for little leagues so they'll both get their uh, little league trophies here in the next week or two
1: nice yeah i, um, them. I saw that you did recently did uh was it a half marathon
2: so I did a ten mile like a year ago. It was all okay. virtual because obviously of you know with all the COVID stuff. But uh, okay, yeah. So the, but we made it really fun out here. We had a few and a few of us ran it. One of the majors and she took uh, We had more Navy representation than Marines, and so she was mad about that. Uh, but yeah, the Navy Navy guys and, and her. We uh, we did a route from our office to the ocean, touched it, yes. and then ran back. And so our actually our Army ten mile run with navy and marine corps uh, <laughs> was actually was actually probably cooler than the actual army route
1: nice i nice. say so did you get a medal for that
2: i did yes i got the virtual medal in the mail yep nice like i said 2022 we're, we're still doing it
1: <laughs> yeah i i don't count those as participation trophies i feel like if you finish because i've i've finished a couple of half marathons right. i don't care what place i, yeah, I you're show right. up in
2: and they, I mean, they call it an, a finisher's medal too, yeah. so that's true. They, they don't even claim the title on that, yeah,
1: yeah. All right, um, over under three and a half pumpkin spice lattes, drink last year.
2: I don't think I had one <laughs> like at all, so I'm, I'm just gonna fail your test right here again. If my wife was here, yeah, she's gonna hit home runs on all this, but <laughs> no, that's. I think I went to Starbucks like once maybe, and it was like a, what was it, like a, like a toasted, like, yeah, one of those white chocolate toasted whatever mm. drinks, like definitely dessert, you know.
1: That's definitely in the pumpkin spice uh, realm for sure. Yeah,
2: I don't even know what it's officially called, so.
1: Yeah. I, I thought, uh, one of the per- people I already interviewed, um, she, she had her first pumpkin spice latte last year. It's the first time, so. Oh my goodness. I, I, I gotta It'd admit, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not really a pumpkin spice person as well. Um, have you ever used hashtag blessed on social media?
2: Um, no, I don't think I have. I don't even know if I know how to actually use hashtags. Um, I, so I basically linked my Facebook and Instagram to just like do it all for, like do it yeah. all the posts on both, like for me when I can just put the pictures and click post yeah. and let everybody else kind of figure that out. So the old, like, cause I used to be a youth pastor and student ministries and college ministry and all that. So they can all follow me and do everything on Instagram. And then, you know, everybody else from the church, of course, is on Facebook. So, and again, I, I, I've used hashtags as like a comical part of posts, but I don't, because they're technically supposed to like link to, you know, mm-hmm. other, yeah, other places that blessed would have been used and you can click it. I, I no don't know how that works. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, man, yeah, you're, I don't know if you're really uh,
2: Yeah, it's not you're, gonna-
1: you're, you're millennial as you think you are.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, I, I don't even know if I even claim it, but it's, it's true.
1: Do you drink LaCroix or a sparkling water equivalent? You
2: know what? We are becoming, yes, oh, we are becoming nice. into that that culture. I don't know what happened there, but just yes. In fact, I have, a, <laughs> so I have a mini fridge in my office and the mini fridge is always stocked with whatever's on sale at Costco. So um, nice. I think Pellegrino's go on sale today. So just remember that, <laughs> my um, variety pack. Uh, nice. But I, I've even settled for the the standard just Perrier's, you know,
1: that yeah.
2: have no flavor. I've even had some of those in there. Yeah. Man, it's,
1: I don't know it's either you're...
2: that or soda. So I I've chosen. I still <laughs> drink some soda, but I'm trying to get away from it.
1: <laughs> I, I I can't stand Lacroix or bubbly drink. I don't know. I just feel like either be soda or be water.
2: i mean so my game changer honestly was coming back from like crazy pt sessions Uh where we would go run like some peak and you'd walk in and it'd be like two in the afternoon everybody's dripping sweat
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: you open up the fridge and have this ice cold sparkling drink and that carbonation just hits you oh my goodness Uh it's like one of the best feelings it's so much better than ice water oh yeah i think that's when i fell in love
1: oh okay I mean, I'm just not drinking it at the right time. I need to yep. do it after exercise.
2: Yeah. Next time we do a big run, I'll have you drink it. I guarantee you'll like it. <laughs> uh,
1: how many times a day do you use the phrase "I can't even"?
2: No. <laughs> trying to figure out what that means. Like I can't deal. Maybe like I
1: can't. I can't even right now. I can't handle this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. No. It's a- but it. The other problem is I'm I'm like surrounded by I don't even know what this next generation is called but you know I'm surrounded by 19, 20, 21 year olds that were forced to adult really fast and yeah. they're like my yeah main influence here
0: yeah you got and yeah, if dude. I
2: started talking like them it'd be real bad so I just stay away from <laughs> off of it
1: um do you do you know how to write a check and or balance a checkbook.
2: I even used to use checks up until like very recent. I haven't written one in like a year or two, but no, I've never balanced a checkbook. Uh, if anything, I yeah, check the credit card statements and everything, yeah. bank accounts on all the apps. So I'm I'm hip, but I still we, know how to, how to draw a check for sure. <laughs> Write it up.
1: We recently uh, wrote our last check from our address, like three houses ago yeah (laughs) and we haven't ordered the new ones and part of me is like do we order new ones just in case or do we do we just count on the fact that it's 2022 and we shouldn't need to have a check anymore
0: (laughs) yeah
2: i mean when you're asked for like you know uh routing numbers account numbers all that kind of stuff i used to always rely on the check I'd go and yeah. run and find the check and, and copy it. So I think I that's recently like, figured out that you can find all that in the app.
1: Yeah. I think that's actually what I've, what we've used checks for mostly is like we get a job yeah. or somewhere. And they're like, you need to give us a voided check. Like yeah. probably like the last, like probably half of the last 20 checks I wrote were just voids. I'll <laughs> just because the
2: word void. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Oh, what do you spend more money on per month, retirement or coffee?
2: Oh, goodness. I mean, I probably put more into my retirement, but a lot of that isn't necessarily, I can't say it's not my choice, but, you know, military has this awesome. Sam does it for you. Yeah, they have this matching program that if you take like whatever the 5% is that I put in naturally and then, you know, one could argue anywhere you invest can technically be for your retirement. Yeah. I've gotten a lot better about that as of late. Yeah. And we, we also just kind of get the giant things from Costco and that's our coffee. Um, <laughs> drink every morning.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is gonna be the last one. Uh, what What percentage of the photos on your phone are selfies?
2: I'm good. I'm good with selfies. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of figured out a long time ago, like my uh, my folks, um, they always like to like, we have we have all these pictures from from, you know, the good old days. Yeah. And uh, like we weren't in a lot of them. So I've I, I've always like the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I can remember. I've always tried to make sure I get a couple pictures like you have some scenery and stuff, but get a couple pictures with with me as well. So and I'm the only one taking the pictures. So I think I might have taken a selfie before that was a before that was officially a real thing. um, Yeah, I mean,
1: they've they've selfies have always existed. It's just there wasn't a word for it until, I don't know, 20, I think 2014 was like the first year I heard somebody use the word selfie.
2: Sounds about right
1: it was one of my eighth graders we were going on a trip i was like did you just say selfie anyway i'm horrible at selfies so my selfie game definitely needs to improve Uh, i mean i have
2: to leave my mark and make it known that i was there as well so anytime i'm you know taking a bunch of pictures one of them is going to be a selfie like yeah with all of us there
1: yeah so I think you got like two or three out of the, out of like that's the perfect the ten questions I asked you.
2: So yeah, that's 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 awesome. <laughs> in you're, baseball.
1: You're you're an, you're an elder millennial. Let's go. Uh, let's a, geria- a geriatric met- millennial. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can make the Padres. Yeah, yeah. Batting <laughs> two three hundred. Yeah, let's go.
1: That's uh. <laughs> you like baseball i do i kind of i kind of pods game the other day and that, that, that the reason i laughed because i'm like oh man this team would have been really good like five years ago yeah. <laughs> yeah same thing with the lakers the lakers roster this last year is like man if this was 2015 they would have been really good
2: <laughs> that's pretty wild it's one of those on paper they look great but then they don't make the playoffs and yeah it's just a sinking ship it feels like
1: <laughs> all right well thing. part of the reason we ask these questions is just to kind of uh play with stereotypes the idea that not all millennials fit in all the boxes yeah um, and off, ov- obviously just because something is a stereotype doesn't make it true of everybody which is actually one of the reasons why i'm really excited to have you on today because um you are in you are a, a ordained minister you are a pastor but you are in i would consider untraditional ministry yeah, and and I would actually probably consider you're probably still more of a youth pastor than than a whole yeah. lot of people think, I think that you are. Really,
2: yeah, I'd agree with that for sure.
1: Um, but you are a um, you are a chaplain. Uh, I'd love to just have you tell us what what is chaplaincy? What is it? What has it been like your experience, especially compared to more traditional roles that you've had? And um, what do you like? What what do you, what don't you like? What yeah, ups and downs. Love to hear it all.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I feel like I'm kind of in one of those just kind of hidden gems, per se, Uh, also kind of a forgotten, I think a forgotten kind of world most of the time. So when, in fact, when I was working on my MDiv, I got on and looked at like possible jobs. And I mean, there's things like hospice chaplain, obviously the senior pastor world, um, you know, the, the church ministry side of the house. In traditional settings, like you like you alluded to, and uh, at the very bottom of that list is military chaplaincy. So that's how much it's like not really pushed out there or known. Um, But I also feel like you know this was something we we kind of had an idea, me and my wife, and uh, you know that that it was gonna probably end up happening at some point, uh, really along our entire journey. So. I think I picked on my first first phone uh, to call and ask a question about military chaplaincy in 2012. And I didn't officially go active duty like on the way to officer development school and chaplain school, you know, swearing in commissioned and all that until December of 20. So, uh, you know, it was was a good eight, nine year journey from that first phone call. But no, I mean, it is completely different than I probably would have ever expected or imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I, I, you know, I, I tell folks it's, it's, it's kind of wild to think about. I, I get paid to hang out with, with you guys. Yeah. Uh, it's really just building relationships and trying to get into every battle space, connect with every Marine. Uh, the Navy calls it, the chaplain Corps calls it deck plating, but basically trying to just be out there and not in your office and it's kind of cool like i kind of have the authority to go into any room and and just kind of hang out and ask people how they're doing and connect mm-hmm. and hear stories and not everybody can do that so uh yeah that's really i mean my day-to-day life you know my my world is is really just uh allowing that cross that i wear on on one side of my mm-hmm. collar Mm -hmm. allowing that cross to really speak volumes um, and make a difference a lot of times without me even using the words myself or you know
0: you know being
2: in their face about christ or anything like that you know but but really just connecting with them and loving on them like like you know we know we ought to and we should be doing anyway
1: yeah what um i mean i i I imagine that they're really it's it's hard for you to answer this question but like what 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 are some what would be like a typical week um, for you um, as, a, as yeah. a chaplain?
2: You know, I, I got on um, my, my first like six months here. I got on and did one of those like day in the life of a Navy chaplain, I called it, and just kind of recorded throughout the whole day. And I posted that on on YouTube um, and sent that to the schoolhouse. So that video has been used a lot. Um, like they'll show a lot of the you know, chaplain Um, candidates or some of the Uh, incoming chaplains like just because that is a snapshot yeah and uh, and like you can kind of imagine like my current view of chaplaincy well i'm with a marine unit um i'm with a separate battalion they call it so i'm with first marine division but i'm uh, not going to deploy like a lot of the other chaplains will because my unit of engineers they attach to all of these deployable units. And so I've got Marines coming in and out of the picture constantly, Mm -hmm. lots of pre post-deployment briefs. Um, You know, you're looked on as kind of the SME when it comes to a lot of these like, hey, we've had some of these issues in our platoon, um, relational stuff, conflict resolution, communication Mm -hmm. things, Um, resiliency is a big buzzword. And they, so then you pull that out and, you know, pull out some presentation that you've worked on before, or just tell some stories or give some ideas, um, Um, again, just connecting. And so you can be all over the place on a typical day. And my orders right now, I'm only here for 30 months. And then I'm going to be getting on a ship in October or November. And, uh, that'll be 24 months. And that'll be totally different because now I'm with the Navy and like blue side. So Again, even just my own little day to day world as a chaplain here, this is probably different than my day to day maybe for the next decade. Wow! It's always changing.
1: That's crazy. So it, it sounds like it's it's really just mo- like focusing on relationships, right? Um, like you said, just kind of loving people where they are. Uh, what I mean, do you do you preach? Do you where where does where does I don't know your your training you have you have an mdiv and yeah um you've you know you've obviously you've you've been a pastor before um yep. where, where do those kind of skill sets over over connect or
2: yeah it's, it's kind of been amazing to look back and kind of see how i think a lot of us can kind of do it like seeing You know, you don't always see the whole tapestry, but you can just kind of see the little kind of woven pieces that you're in, in that very moment. But when you take a step back and look, like for me, it's over the last decade, I can certainly see where God was Mm -hmm. kind of at work in all of that,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
2: molding administrative skills and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, preparing sermons. We do a a biweekly service up in the chapel that's in our little camp um, Mm -hmm. area of Pendleton. Uh, So we'll go every other Sunday evening because marines aren't going to wake up before noon on a sunday and uh, we uh yeah we have you know we have a a great barbecue that the that a church comes and supports and provides we do Mm -hmm. a service there's about four or five of us chaplains with a few different units up there and we rotate so that's Mm -hmm. kind of my like main preaching role again it's always different so i'm going to be getting on a ship in november and i'll Mm -hmm. be preaching every sunday and oh, uh, you know probably doing bible studies and all that stuff throughout the week and really kind of the guy whereas up here you know parish ministry like out in town it's an eight minute drive and you can pretty much have your pick of the letter when it comes to denominations and you know, uh, where you can connect for community so i have a lot of marines that i connect with um and then they'll ask me questions and you know i can send them out in town like i said we've we've done some bible study stuff um throughout. Mm-hmm. But I uh, really I'd say the the like the biggest area I'm using kind of my MDiv and the skill set and all that that I've kind of learned is is probably in the counseling world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the combat engineers that I'm with, we I don't, you know, I don't know about a lot of other units, but we have a lot of counselings. Um there's another guy embedded in the battalion. He's called our Military Family Life Counselor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, me and him, you know, we're we have got a lot um, throughout throughout the week, and these are Marines that are walking. In, you know, the, the life of a Marine is tough. Um, mm-hmm. They're carrying a lot of stuff. Often, often there's a lot of baggage that comes into that. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you know, I had a Marine share with me a couple months ago. Um, he'd gotten in trouble, and I just basically sat down with him and started talking, and he said. know like halfway through hey i've never had somebody just sit down and let me tell them tell them my story and Mm -hmm. like actively listen and be there Uh um and actually seem to want to care and and about what i'm saying um so Mm -hmm. no i mean we've had we've had a good amount of counseling like i said but i'll speak to you know that's where i can kind of just have depending on where that conversation ends up going. Um, if it's, you know, coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. a lot of that's a big issue. Um, obviously the, the go-to is, you know, drinking or, or, you know, drugs is a big issue in the military still, um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: potentially trying to find a ticket out. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's just tons of, of terrible things, um, that you can do. Yeah. And, uh, it, but there's so much that you can do that's healthy and just finding your hobbies and interests and, and yeah. getting after, you know, taking care of yourself and, you know, yeah. Uh, so a lot of that conversation ends up coming from counseling settings.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So are you like part of a, I mean, this might be too inside baseball for people who are listening to this, but as somebody I, I when I used to be in the military, like, are you part of like, so are you attached to a specific unit or are you part of like a, A group of chaplains and you kind of all have a separate separate unit that units that you're in charge of like how structurally like are you because i know there's just chaplains from other denominations other other religions like how does that work
2: faith groups exactly um i have had let's see i had a catholic priest um up in my kind of area of pendleton Mm. um a small area that we all kind of share the same chapel the same chow hall the same gym Um, Mm -hmm. there's a couple different barracks up there Um, that tends to be the community that i'm closest to Um, aside from one catholic catholic priest um, everybody else has always been in the christian protestant kind of realm Mm -hmm. so it's made when it comes to like the chapel services and whatnot it's made that a lot more um, a lot more you know a lot easier to. To facilitate and kind of work, and, and able to provide, kind of the same,
0: mm-hmm. same
2: kind of quality of a service every every time, um, and that's that's been great for for community too. You know, having some chaplains yeah. that I can really lean on, and I'm not by myself. Yeah. But at the same time, there's probably five or six thousand Marines and Sailors that the four or five of us are technically over. Yeah, and so in that little area. I have my unit, which is the combat engineers. Mm -hmm. And then there's four infantry units that make Mm -hmm. up the rest of that whole regiment. Uh And then, like I said, when I spoke to like division, like as a whole, my orders were technically to division, which is basically like the whole ground combat side of Camp Pendleton, like, which is massive, right? So, so yes, we're kind of team players in all of it. I've got my unit functions, but I also have stuff that I support fifth reg with. And I also have stuff that I support division with.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm just interested in how that, how that goes, like for, I mean, I imagine they're not all Nazarene chaplains, like how does it work, kind of work, go working with other faith traditions even?
2: It's been one of the coolest, I feel like it's been one of the coolest things I've seen. I don't have a lot of experience with with that, um, it was very much once I w- started going to seminary and whatnot. I'm with uh, I'm with the Nazarene world more or less, um, and even just very involved in district events, um, mm-hmm. you know, the NYC's and um, just trying to get out after that kind of stuff. Um, whereas when I started looking at the chaplain world and this whole like ecumenical kind of concept of um, there's <clears throat> I mean, every belief system imaginable, um, coming into one room together, and what do you do with that? Yeah, it's been really cool to see, um, really what can happen there. So, like our, uh, sorry, chaplain corps with the Navy, um, they have like four kind of pillars. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. they call it provide, which is provide religious ministry in the manner and form of the of the religion that, that you're coming from, from your faith group, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, they want you to be who you are who you believe God has made you to be and live into that they can't ask you to be something that you're not um, which is really cool because like we are protected like our freedom of religion is very much protected Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not forced into situations that I cannot perform and and be a part of and the Nazarene church protects me in that Mm -hmm. at the same time we're told to facilitate for all so basically if another faith group you know, they have a body that, that wants to gather and, and meet and do something with, you know, they can use the chapel. Awesome. Like, it's not my chapel. I can't hold it hostage and say only I can use this building, you know, yeah. like, anyone is able to, um, and, you know, come out of making sure that their are religious, what they believe is for them, like that that's met as well. And then they have two more pillars that they kind of preach to it's, it's caring for all, which is, mm-hmm what I kind of believe Christ would do anyway. And then um
1: yeah
2: and advising, which is another really big kind of component that doesn't often get talked about or seen as much. But basically like we have we're kind of the eyes and ears to a lot. And when it comes to trends and maybe even some things that are happening that maybe shouldn't be happening, um, observations that we're making, um, you know, we can advise command. Uh, i've got mm. i've got a like i'm one of the few people that can walk into the co's office in the middle of his meeting interrupt him and say excuse me sir i need to talk to you it's important mm. and if chaps walks in with yeah. you know something like, he's gonna stop what he's doing he's gonna you know he's gonna come and hang out with me so see what's happening
1: okay um, yeah that's awesome that's i mean that's that's uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I have a different understanding than I think a lot of people do because they, they're not familiar with military culture. Right. Like um yeah, you don't walk into the commander's office. <laughs> um that is just not something that is done. Um so I mean that's I mean that's that's awesome that you have that ability to 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 have that that ear um of 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 the commanding officer to to talk right. to him about it. I mean, and I'm sure that's a that's a privilege that you use sparingly. Um, that isn't something you would want. I would you would want to abuse that. Um,
2: yeah, for sure. Yeah, you want to be cautious. Um, you know, you really are seen as kind of a safe space uh, across the board. So mm-hmm. the idea there is you are the CEO's chaplain as much as everybody else is, and I think a lot of times we look at some of these like high up in authority kind of figures. And we just kind of, we, we don't want to go near them because we're intimidated or whatnot. And mm-hmm. instead they kind of get like, I've had, you know, I've had, you know, 04s, fives, tell me like, it, it actually gets really lonely towards the top. Yeah. And they've got, a they've got for all we, I mean, they've got more, they're carrying more weight than, than many of us realize. Yeah. And so to be able to be there for them too, is just an incredible honor and privilege and Mm -hmm. you don't want to yeah like you said abuse that you know kind of freedom that you have to build that relationship too Mm -hmm. but you don't want to abandon them either
1: yeah yeah it's interesting because it's like like, i was in the army and every commander i ever had always said you know i have an open door policy (laughs) but that always meant like you better have talked to your squadron leader your your squad leader, your platoon sergeant, your platoon commander—before right. you get to me. <laughs> Better not open my door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, the channels. Like it was, it was always like I have an open door policy, but it was always understood that like you do not just go directly towards the 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 top of the food chain. You have right. to go through. Um, but to have that, have access, I think that's that's great to have somebody who is in the amongst the Marines and Sailors that. Has that ability to to maybe skip that line, and especially for things that, are, that obviously require that, and somebody like an advocate, somebody who can right. uh, you know, um, you can be on your on your behalf. That's awesome. Um. So you said that you you've kind of first made a call about chaplaincy in two thousand twelve. What what kind of maybe what. Where, when did you begin to think that maybe this is something for me or maybe um, you know this is this is a road I want to go down
2: yeah i uh, my dad was in air Force for twenty seven years <clears throat> you know i I was born in Turkey I spent the majority of well, all of middle school and and the majority of high school in in Brussels Belgium <clears throat> you know all all over the place when it comes to traveling where I've lived and the experiences and um I think it was probably like in my early years of college that I kind of figured out hey the military thing is probably something I should look at myself at some point and and look at doing um but I also was an 18 year old 19 year old guy that was not about to just go enlist um Mm -hmm. and I was more interested in you know the social life there and and connecting and in school and all that and I. So it's kind of always been the back of my mind. And I think it was actually the call to ministry that, you know, that happened for me when I was working on my undergrad at Northern Arizona University. And uh, I uh, was just helping out at the church down the road, the Nazarene church Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, getting like really to be the, one of the leads with the youth ministry and, and never really thinking about a call to ministry um, when it comes to being a pastor or whatnot um but but just being there because i enjoyed connecting with all of them and
0: mm-hmm. and
2: what else am i doing you know yeah on wednesday night probably getting in trouble so you know actually then getting a lot of my college buddies to come help as well and then creating you know basically having a college ministry that got launched from that and uh, and then the church approaching me and saying hey if you ever prayed about ministry, you know, that was, that was really where it all kind of began for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, my, my eyes, my you know, kind of blew up in that world. I, I, would never really considered that. And so then as, as I'm, you know, kind of exploring and praying and thinking and looking and, and eventually going to seminary and all that, um, the military thing also kind of always being there. It was only a matter of time before I connected the dots and saw like, Hey, military chaplain is actually a real thing that's out there. <laughs> and as I looked at it, it actually was like the most attractive thing I'd ever seen, you know, at the same time, it was so far away. Um, there were just so many obstacles and hurdles between where I was at that point And the idea of me actually being an active duty military chaplain that, I couldn't get too serious about it, um, or get my hopes up. Um, And then there were multiple times where I felt like the doors had actually been like shut right in my face. And Mm -hmm. then that that kind of dream that I was just so sure was going to be something that would happen. um, I just really felt like God had made it so abundantly clear. And then Mm -hmm. when that dream just gets shattered, I think that's probably a feeling we can all relate to, where life just suddenly doesn't go the way we thought. And you know, really expected it to um yeah i mean i was crushed like that was you know we thought that we'd been missing it the whole time and mm-hmm. here like in fact it was just not the right time um but no it's yeah it's really wild to look back and just see like whoa god's hand has actually been in all of this
1: yeah that's awesome yeah and i was uh, i was actually gonna ask you about that because um we've known each other for a while now and and i remember being with you and you had that moment or you right. thought that you know the door had shut um would you be willing to tell that story i, I don't know how, how yeah i mean about it yeah
2: you know there was a couple there were a couple really big moments there um where you know hurdles had happened or things that happened that that the obstacles that basically made it really difficult for me um i ended up going through MEPS five times MEPS is military entrance processing um that basically you have to pass a full medical evaluation and it was always just something ridiculous uh, the first time through i had put on the document that i had fallen skiing once and suddenly they're going back to like eighth grade wanting you know head injury reports and trying to find and this stuff doesn't exist i'm over in belgium at the time i didn't go to a doctor like i didn't you know and so that's where i kind of learned like hey you don't need to be like a hundred percent like every single thing you've ever done your entire life on those forms um like they don't care if you always you know if you've bumped and bruised your knee or something Um, yeah it's really the the serious like you've been hospitalized and you know Uh this is gonna affect you and so i you know i dealt with that kind of stuff for years just trying to track down paperwork and deal with something I'd written on paper, you know, the first time I walked in. Um, but when we'd gotten through all of it, um, I think, you know, it was 2018 mm-hmm. when I was with you and and we were in Point Loma um, at a function and I got a call. Basically, the my final time at MEPS, they uh, had put a stethoscope on my heart at the end of the appointment. And we'd seen, I mean, everything else was... And the doc said, has anybody ever told you that you have a heart murmur? And uh, I said, what are you talking about? Like, no way. Da, da, da. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're sending me to a, you know, a cardiologist and like, you know, all these tests are being done. And of course, none of it's really amounting or coming to anything. But bottom line, they have to build a package
0: mm-hmm. and
2: they put all the data and all the results in this package and they kind of send it off for a waiver. And that phone call i had gotten that morning in 2018 um, at Point Loma it was them calling and saying that the waiver had been denied. I was permanently disqualified and that I could never serve in any military branch and basically it was done. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, that was like the dagger in the coffin. Like you're just, yeah. it's not happening. You're, you know.
1: Yeah. Permanent um, sounds permanent. Yeah,
2: permanent. A, 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 that's a bad word yeah. to ever hear. Um, and that's, that's where, like I said, we were really crushed. Um, and so we kind of let that be and what we thought was, was kind of done. And then, uh, um, in 2020 and it happened really quick in the summer, I had a chaplain, bud, um, a Nazarene chaplain who was stationed in Okinawa at the time. And he'd put out to Facebook for me, this whole thing on basically like, Hey, the Navy like medical waivers um it's just different than it's ever been Mm -hmm. um you should at least like kind of pursue like put you know call up a recruiter figure that out like just put something out there and just see like worst case nothing happens with it but if it's still something you're interested in um and I just kind of thought not much of it um ended up taking that message sending it to my old uh recruiter out in Phoenix and I uh, just kind of let that sit. And in October, he came back and said, hey, we're still within the two-year window of when your MEPS appointment had gotten denied, which uh-huh. means instead of you going back to MEPS, you don't need to go back to MEPS at all. All we're going to do is attach this waiver on top of your entire package, and we're just going to see if it gets approved. Uh-huh. And again, thought not much of it. Yeah. And within, within weeks, suddenly it's like, hey, the Navy has approved, like everything's good to go. We want to send you to DC so you can interview with the care board, basically a board of chaplains Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: see about going active duty with the Navy. And I said, Oh my goodness. Like, this is insane. Like what is, well, what's happening. And in December we are like two months later, I'm on a plane heading to DC. Um, I'm sitting with this board, telling my story, answering the questions. And then I I knew like in that room, Mm -hmm. like, this is this is happening and so i walked out so confident like god made it clear as day like hey you're gonna get selected and uh you're going active duty and everyone else was walking out of this room freaking out and like oh i'm so nervous i don't know if it's gonna have done and i just i I had none of that because i was so confident and uh yeah it's a long story but yeah that's awesome end of the day so October, I find out I'm going, I'm going to the care board that the medical package got approved. December, I'm with the care board and I'm confident. I get selected two weeks later and I'm on the plane going to ODS and Chaplain School um, in January. So within three months, my entire life is basically packed up and I'm going from the dream was dead to I'm wow. on my way, you know. Wow. To a permanent duty station. So yeah, yeah, really you- incredible.
1: Amanda and the kids, they moved like without you, right? Like you were doing training and so, stuff.
2: Yeah, so yeah. So so I left in January of 20. We all know what happened in March of 20. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm in chaplain school. Life is we're making all these plans. Uh, I've got basically tickets for the entire chaplain class to go to the Boston Red Sox game in Fenway. They're nice. gonna play the Cleveland Indians on um who don't, don't exist anymore by the, the way, guardians um yeah so we're, they're gonna play them on april 7th like this is great and like overnight whole baseball season's canceled the shutdown happens and we are the covid class like we are the first class that spent our entire um training in the same basically rack Um, our bed the entire time. We never did anything. We didn't go on any of the ships, any of the field stuff. I'm just, we were in our rack the entire time. Um, And then the, the CEO, so the commanding officer of the schoolhouse came out and he basically said like, Hey, like what an opportunity, like what class can say they were the COVID class. Like, you guys are like, what a time to join the Navy. Like, the world <laughs> is being forced upon themselves. We have spent so many years basically being glued to our phones and, and getting pushed away from each other and connecting and all that. To now you have to withdraw with your families. You don't have a choice. Like, dad can't run to work. For and it just came yeah. really cool to see, like, you know what? Like, God has been over the last decade. For such a time as this mm-hmm. and here i am like when covet and it just happens to be that i'm here when this happened and uh, you know i get to journey with this class through arguably one of the hardest times you know in in ministry that that we've seen a long time so
1: that's awesome that's a yeah. great perspective to have i mean i don't i know if somebody came in like man aren't you guys lucky i i probably would have rolled my eyes pretty quickly but, but yeah i i think that maybe um it's crazy the way that like god works in that like in those down moments in those moments that like are just really hard and you don't want to do it looking back you're like i wouldn't have given that up because right it led to this this and this you know
2: right yeah it's uh it's that uh, what's that elevation worship song like you take what the enemy meant for evil and you ultimately yeah. turn it for good yeah like, incredible to see that that he's actually taken and we use that a lot with the marines like hey uh, you're in arguably the suckiest situation you know you feel like maybe you've ever been in before but you have no idea the impact of your story you don't know how you going through this hard time right now in the navy they say smooth seas never made a skilled sailor like mm-hmm. you don't know how you going through this rough situation you don't know how that's going to ultimately be used to impact other people's stories and for all you know there's going to be marines there might be right now that are going through some really hard stuff and you know because you've been able to overcome or because you're you know embracing the suck or you've you know you're allowing god to use that you know you're going to impact their life and yeah
1: yeah that's awesome yeah i know that like in my my personal testimony like uh i i i was very practical i joined the military because i wanted help to pay for college and It was more like, Hey, I'm just here to do my time and and be done with it. And, um, but you know, I get asked, I've been asked before, like, Oh, would you, if you had to do it over again, would you do it? And I I'd say yes, because I think that experience made me who I am in so many ways. It made me appreciate what I have even more now. Um, I, I think if I, if I had it had done, the military and been a couple of years behind on college i wouldn't have met my wife you know so many yep. things like i can draw that line for the <clears> way that god <throat> used those used that opportunity to, to to help me grow as a person and and as as a as a follower of jesus in a lot of ways
2: yeah just it gives you a frame of reference to come from that the most people you know i don't need to get all political or anything like that. And I don't take one vantage point one way or the other on that. Like it, mm. it, but it's annoying that in the last, I don't know, 16 years of presidential candidate, like we haven't had presidents that were enlisted in the military like themselves. Like, and this mm. was a common thing. Like, you well, know, when I was a kid, you know, we, we talked about like this idea that everybody at some point should go through some sort of military training just so they understand again, that world that, that many people don't even think about anymore, um, mm. until of course something happens, and then
1: yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can have the food. My daughter wanted to eat some goldfish. <laughs> um, right we're keeping here? that. We're keeping that in. Um,
0: uh, sounds great. Right now. I, I, yeah,
1: I'm. Yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for what you do, and 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 I mean, it's not the same as not to say being a pastor is easy. I, I, I it's just, you, get you have to go to OCS. You have to, you have to go to chaplaincy school. I mean, you had to be away from your family for probably like six, eight months. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's different and it's right. hard and um, it's not something that everybody is meant to do. It's not a, it's not a gifting that a lot of people have. So um yeah thank you for for taking that on um
2: no and i you know you know you messaged and, and asked and thought of me when it comes to like this kind of podcast and i think yeah. like that's kind of the idea like we don't you know it, it is an honor like it really is a privilege to be able to do what what you know not necessarily what i do i'm yes i'm i'm, I'm doing that with them is the, is the, is the idea, but but really, what our servicemen and women as a whole, you know, what that sacrifice really looks like, and I think a lot of them will brush off the whole "thank you for your service" kind of thing. Um, but there is a big sacrifice that's involved in that. Um, it's really hard on families. Yeah, you know, there's there's a massive the divorce rate is insane. Um, Marines are yeah. getting married at a very young young age. They're forced to, to adult like I alluded to earlier um, really quick. Uh, And, and at the end of the day, honestly, like these Marines are coming in with a lot of baggage, a lot of tough situations, broken homes. um, And, you know, they don't know really how to handle a lot of the stuff that gets thrown in their face. And, you know, it, it kind of leads straight to, we kind of call ourselves like the care team right now, but I said, we have a counselor, we have me, Uh um there's another one who's a deployment readiness coordinator she's a civilian who just connects the deployed with the families and whatnot um but there's a few of us the the medical officer Mm -hmm. um that we kind of call ourselves the care team (coughs) and we're in a day and age where this you know these ideas of like mental health um it's an all-time rise or an all-time high um Mm -hmm. that really kind of is the the real pandemic i'd say right now epidemic Um, it's just mental health kind of crises and i mean even when you watch like sports center you can see on the nfl ticker like so and so with the jacksonville jaguars is missing out for mental health related you know whatever circumstances Mm. and you just never heard about this kind of stuff back in the day and so i really would say like anyone who is willing and able to just connect with those around them and, and love on each other, be your brother, sister's keeper. Um, like this is going to be, I think the future of ministry. And, and honestly, like being on a podcast like this, like, mm-hmm. you know, the millennial pastor, right. Yeah. Like my mind instantly goes to this traditional church model. Um, and you go to a traditional church nowadays and it is, you know, arguably older individuals, no, nothing against that, yeah. um, but it can very quickly feel like this kind of country club um, ish kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, folks are comfortable, um, very uncomfortable being uncomfortable. And yeah. when I'm reading scripture and I'm seeing the journey of what it is to proclaim and profess your life for Christ and, and to be different than the world, the idea of being comfortable doesn't exist, um, you know, yeah. in scripture. In fact, it's probably the opposite. And so when I'm going to the suck and I'm having to, or getting to, right, yeah. um, P.T. or do these ridiculous hikes or, you know, wake up at the, you know, you know, the the ridiculous hours in the morning. And
0: mm-hmm. when I'm
2: really in like the, those tough trenches per se. Um, like, that's the perspective, I have to take a step back and be like, you know what, I am uncomfortable right now. But that's an okay thing.
0: Yeah. And
2: my God can handle that. In fact, he's going to use my uncomfort in this situation. Because there was somebody who was actually a lot more uncomfortable than I was. And yeah. that was my Savior who took it all um, yeah. and, and bore it for me. And, and if he can, if he's willing to take all that, right? Um, yeah, what little can I do to make a difference? So know i have to have that perspective to see like hey this was a 10-year journey to get to this point Mm -hmm. and there were some really dark days in that and i know that god was at work in all of that and so if god got me through all of that to get me to this point in time right now then who am i to say hey you know what this is too hard like yeah i'm not gonna do this anymore
1: that's awesome i mean i think that's a great perspective especially Okay, we'll someone outside on the front porch. okay thank you um i don't know what's going on um I, on I have i have so many questions honestly like i we are in kind of the 45 minutes to an hour mark that i'm trying to, to get going on this but um i say for like um so like part of this is just my personal testimony like yeah. um when i was in the military i was 19 20 21 years old um i was probably like a lot of the sailors and marines that you're dealing with Um, and i i mean i'm somebody who grew up in the church who you know sunday there was no question about whether whether or not i was going to be at the church or wednesday night whether or not i was going to be in youth group and it was just a tough time where i just really felt that um I guess like kind of the, the the deconstruction, the questioning: Is this what I believe? Is do I? Why why do I go to church on Sunday? What's the point mm-hmm. of it? Um, and it was a really tough point for me. And I went. Um, I was deployed in oh four oh five, and and I did the I did the the Christmas and Easter thing. I went to church twice. I went to you know chapel twice. And the whole year I was on deployment and a lot of it was just, I I, I didn't have, I I felt like other people my age weren't, wanted nothing to do with Jesus, the Bible, Christianity. Um, Anybody who was a Christian were like the same age as my parents. It just was really hard to connect. And how do you, how do you minister in that situation? I'm sure I'm not the only person that that, that kind of goes that way. Or how do you evangelize? How do you tell people about the love of Jesus in in a situation where people are? are kind of going through those, those life identity questions at that, at that, at that age of life.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if you, you know, if, if you remove, let's say the chaplain remote, remove me from the equation, mm-hmm. I don't want to act like I have more power than I do, but there is a, there is a bridge that exists right now, just kind of organically that the government has like set up and in, in the institution itself,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that that they basically have this bridge in a chaplain to be the go between between the church and uh, you know a lot of these Marines and sailors that will probably never step foot in the church if it's not for potentially you or at least that bridge existing. So for all you know, you know the way I've kind of looked at it, like I have to really regard like every conversation I have every moment. In fact, most of the times I'm having to take a step back and surrender and say, Hey, like I got to lean on the Holy spirit here. Mm -hmm. Like any words that come out of my mouth, I want them to be of you. Um, I need to surrender to that and just trust you're going to work in this conversation or this moment, because Mm -hmm. I may be the only representative of Christ, the only, you know, Jesus that these Marines or sailors may ever see. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also kind of emphasize when I am having that opportunity and I'm in a counseling and a Marine is basically just like, Hey, what's your favorite verse? And I'm journeying through with, you know, like Philippians, you know, four with them and like don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like, that I don't have to carry these burdens on my own, that I can, Mm -hmm. I can give them the God. In fact, my first and foremost, my knee jerk reaction should be to give us a God, but I'm having these kinds of moments with them in a counseling. Like, then I can, I can kind of show them like, Hey, like sure. God has called me. And like, and I, and I, I know like maybe in a chaplain, like God's hand was in this thing from the very beginning. But he's yeah. calling you in your situation and what you're going through. He's calling you just as much as he's called me to be a chaplain. Mm-hmm. And for all you know, like you being the motor team mechanic that is, is running this race after, you know, after Christ and in leaning on him, like you are a representative to all that are around you. Like that's the ministry you're called to be in. Like Mm -hmm. you be who God's created you to be in that moment and use those gifts, strengths, those abilities that God has given you. Another cool like kind of picture that I've painted as of late, like our DNA, you know, makeup, our our gene pool, like what's made us like who we are, right? Mm There is, it's like a fingerprint. There's Mm -hmm. never been another you in Mm -hmm. all of creation, in all of history and there never will be. And the billions and billions and billions upon billions of, of, you know, people, nonetheless creatures, right, trillions upon, there will never be another you. And when you're not living in your strengths and who God has made you to be, Mm -hmm. the world is missing something that it can never get back. When Mm -hmm. you're not living out who God has created you to be, Mm -hmm. but when you are recognizing who God has knit you together in your mother's womb to be, and you're leaning on him. The world is getting something that only you can give it like that is incredible. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
2: think in just having those kinds of conversations and connecting with these Marines and sailors, again, like the future of the church, I think this is where ministry is going to happen. It's Mm going to be in the trenches. It's going to be connecting with people in their, in their battle spaces. So Mm -hmm. their day-to-day work and, and, you know, those, it may not be on a Sunday morning in four walls with a roof on top um you know singing three certain songs and listening yeah. to a 20 minute message and it better not be over 20 minutes you know <laughs> cuz i'm going to be late for lunch like yeah it's just it's so different in what i'm doing and i can only imagine when i'm on a ship and i'm with these guys 24/7 um just how much even more powerful like all that really is you know journey with them
1: yeah well i'm going to i want to finish off with the a- two questions i'm kind of asking everybody yeah um it's just i think it's different for for you because obviously you're not in a traditional church model but um i'd love to hear your perspective anyways but uh where both um where do you think the church can improve especially when it comes to um retaining millennials and gen Zers? And then also what gives you hope in the church of today that you see being something we need to hold on to moving forward?
2: Um, I think COVID, like we kind of talked about earlier, COVID's kind of forced us, you know, in this kind of mindset of, you know, socially distanced and, and you know, having to, you know, be, be safe per se. Um, and it, where we're kind of, where we're kind of in this in this world right now where we're being told like hey you need to you need to stay away from people and not connect like the church has has kind of taken that and said okay like in fact we'll just make it virtual or we'll provide these other means or these other options and I think the improvement there is you aren't going to be able to recreate from a virtual world um what it is to be a body of christ connected to each other um yeah. and really what that means to commune and i think that's the tough that's the tough part right now that, that we're dealing with still mm-hmm. um there's a massive disconnect and unfortunately like covid has become a political topic i don't know how um yeah. and it just shows you like anything truly could become political but you know that's the hard part like you know what does the church do with that, um, and how do we, how do we kind of bridge that disconnect with you know um, those that still aren't comfortable after all this time, um, and there's going to be consequences there, and I think that's the hard part, um, and that's a big challenge. Um, but I have hope because I feel like I'm seeing a different kind of side of ministry than most people get to see. <clears throat> you know, I have really close friends who, you know, are doing some really cool things, um, across, across the globe mm-hmm. and can really cool things happen in the church in the traditional church model. Absolutely. Um, but, but right now, I think that, that where we really need to step out is outside the walls of the church and, uh, And start connecting with, you know, our our neighbors. Um, our my the perfect example I'm thinking of right now is base housing. So I show up, Mm -hmm. move into base housing, and I joke about it. Like I drove home a few weeks ago and I took a picture. Um, I had all the kids that were in my front yard playing soccer. I had them all gather around the tree and I said, okay, smile. And I took the picture. And I just wanted to show that there were 12 kids in this picture. And that's what I drove home from work to. Yeah, um, and I called it like jokingly. My wife's name is Amanda. I called it Amanda's daycare, um, and that's kind <laughs> of like the running joke. But but there truly is like a connecting that exists kind of in this base housing world that I'm seeing, and my kids have no idea. Like they think this is normal. Then when we <laughs> lived in all these neighborhoods, the rest of our time before we got here, and we would be good if we knew one or two of the neighbors. And by no, I mean like we've talked to them a couple times. Yeah. Whereas we're in each other's houses all the time here. In fact, it's not it's not uncommon for me to come out on a Saturday morning at like 7 30 and there's another kid in my living room. Like, where'd you come from? It's 7 30 <laughs> on a Saturday. Like,
1: what's happening? That's awesome. So that's awesome. That's 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 awesome. I mean, I, I agree. I think that you know, just being more missional minded where we are, as opposed to, you know, I have to go somewhere to be on missions like no, we're on mission now. Right. And our neighborhoods right. and our communities and um yeah i think that's i think that's a door i think that's the thing that a lot of people are beginning to see these days that you know i i could be i can be a missionary where i'm at and i don't have to go on a trip for that i can i can be missional here right
0: so. right
2: and like, you know, what do you do with those relationships that you built? So like we were thinking about this idea of like a neighborhood VBS, like we have yeah. enough friends around here Well, we could have like a, you know, one week in the summer and have like four houses that in the front yard kind of do their own station. And we rotate every 20 minutes. We could connect the whole neighborhood. They're already in my front yard anyway, playing soccer.
1: That's awesome. Connect them
2: all in the beginning and end. And we could kind of have just like an outside oh, VBS. And I think it's just getting creative. It's those kinds of ideas where the church is going to really show up. And the church has always been around, like in every, you know, conflict or difficult time or you name it, like the church has always been there. Um, the idea right now is just, well, how do we create, get creative and still have the church be, you know, quote unquote relevant um, and able to, you know, be a place where yeah, everyone's able to kind of still see the light. In, in all that they do
1: yeah and i think yeah especially the way that you were talking about how you know you just your job is just to connect with people i think that's the way that we need to move move ahead and kind of get out of this idea that just because i showed up to a building on a sunday morning you know i'm 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 checking off a box for my church duties for the weeks like no, we you represent right. the church wherever we go every day right and it, it can be right. a part of your life no matter whether or not you're in ministry or you're, yeah, you're called to, you know, be the lunch lady at the elementary school or whatever. you know.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think a big piece of this, I know we're probably going long here, but a, a big piece of that too, um, <clears throat> is just this judgmental aspect. And I think it'd be really easy for me to be that chaplain who is not approachable. And it uh, doesn't agree with a lot of the way these guys live their life. And so I'm going to stay away from it because I don't want to be polluted by the world. Yeah. And I think we get really it gets dangerous when we get afraid of, you know, the world so much so that we have to lock ourselves up in these individual silos and and stay away from them. Um, it's not our place to judge. It's yeah. God's place. Um, And I'm so okay with that. Like, please, you take that, God, because I don't I don't want that burden anyway, you know, and yet there's so often in the church, there's so many I feel like to just, they feel like they have to be judgmental, and they come down on this way of life. And honestly, I think about this a lot. Like, if, if the traditional churches I've been a part with a part of, if they could hear these conversations, half the time, where the profanity is just, I mean, I haven't heard some of these phrases before, you know, it's just through the roof and, and the way of life and the drinking, just everything. Right. Yeah. Um, like they would, I mean, there's just so much judgment that I feel like folks would come down on me because I'm in that very room. Yeah. Nonetheless, like, Hey, you know, actually, if you took a look back at like the Nazarene church in the, you know, in the early mm. years, yeah, they were on the streets getting dirty. um and connecting and and you know feeding the poor and living with the homeless and just you don't see a lot of that now and it's really wild to think that in fact so many are judgmental um towards so i think that's another big hurdle that the church has to really kind of get over here at some point
1: yeah part of me is laughing because i just remember like my experience in the military like whenever the chaplain walked in the room people just The things that were being said before that were not being said the same (laughs) and uh it's it's funny because i I mean you don't want people to be different but at the same time i i I guess it is kind of a way that they show respect um but it's funny um like i used to have students of mine in my youth group be like oh so and so like you know they can't come to church like they're they're not good i'm like no that's right they that's why they need to come to church
2: like <laughs> fact, church is for them yeah and like those are, those are the ones in fact when when we read about in the gospels like christ is coming after the religious people like the pharisees are the ones who are always getting reprimanded like you know jesus came you know for you know the sick like those that, that need the hospital they need a doctor like that's
1: yeah um, that's it's just funny to that, act
2: like for the righteous ones yeah yeah
1: uh, it, it, i always because um like right now my um my mission field is is my rugby club i i play for uh, on a rugby club here in town and it's kind here of my town. way my way of uh meeting people who are unchurched there's a lot of mormons and there's a lot yeah. of bad mormons as well <laughs> but, uh it's funny because people just always like as soon as they learn that i'm a pastor like they they're like, oh no, like I said this, this, and this around, around him, or something like that, like right. they apologize for that, I just always tell them, I was like, I was in the military, there's nothing you can say that I haven't heard, <laughs> I mean, 10 times is worse, so, exactly. like so, that's, this is nothing, <laughs> yeah, I always tell them, like I was in the military, there's nothing you can say that's going to shock me, <laughs> and it, yep. it usually, it usually allows them to kind of, of like, oh okay, like I don't need to be like, a different person around this person so
2: yeah just uh, be yourself and yeah you know, and be okay with that like yeah yeah that's cool.
1: well that's that's i mean thank you so much for your time we are well over an hour and no uh,
2: thank you so much for having me and Fantastic.
1: i i i've i honestly have so many other questions i, I want to know um but um yeah maybe we could just talk maybe we just like hang out sometime i don't know yeah uh, yeah right but uh, yeah. good good luck on your. I know you guys are gonna be moving pretty soon. Um, I, I imagine that's 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 gonna be something you're gonna be working on, and uh and obviously good luck on um on ministry. I think uh, it sounds like yeah. you're really passionate about it and you love what you do, which is awesome.
2: No, I I thank you for yeah again just the honor and privilege of being able to come on here and and share. Um, I encourage your you know listeners. To, uh, to connect with our service men and women um, when you encounter them, or if you do, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a very unique kind of world. And, uh, you know, just engaging in conversations and connecting um, can mean the world and you really can make a difference there. Um, and these guys are going to the ends of the earth, you know, great mm-hmm. commission kind of stuff. And so it's a, yeah. it's a cool thing to be a part of as well. So yeah, yeah. I just encourage that.
1: All right, well, thanks for joining us on the Millennial Pastor Podcast. I've been your guest host, Ryan. Uh, We can't wait to to see you guys next time.
0: previous seasons, you have heard us promote our fellow millennial author. But on this season, we're promoting a different sort of millennial minister.
2: Have you ever prayed about becoming a military chaplain? It's undeniable that God has called each and every one of us to use the talents, the gifts, and the abilities He's given us for His kingdom work. From being the chaplain of a ship to a Coast Guard unit to even a Marine Corps battalion, if you are hearing this and wondering if this might be for you, I encourage you to pray about it. Yes, it's a call to all-around fitness, mind, body, and spirit. And yes, it's quite possibly the most challenging thing that you'll ever do. But it's also the most rewarding ministry I can think of. The most powerful force in the world, the United States Navy, needs chaplains. And as a recent initiative has been established that seeking to put a chaplain on every ship, there is quite possibly a need for you. Being able to serve both God and country has been one of the most incredible blessings of my life. Check out the Navy Career website on the specifics of chaplaincy requirements, and I would love to connect with you if it's something you might feel called to. Pray about it.
0: Thank you for supporting your local millennial pastor. On previous seasons, you have heard us promote our fellow millennial author, but on this season, we're promoting a different sort of millennial minister.